Hey, Liz. Aaron. I have a question. <laughs> that was so formal. <laughs> hey, Liz. Aaron. I have a question. Yes. Can you read minds? Yes. Whoa. Yeah. Well, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I was expecting you to say no. Nope. You can read minds. Yes. Did you just come up with this power? Or is this like a mutant gene thing that manifested late in life? Uh, it just is the way that I be, generally. Liz, would you like to talk about Hanabi the game? I would like to talk about Hanabi the game. High five for excellence. High five for excellence. One, two, three. That was, was okay. Let's do it weak. again. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three. Oh, you also have the you have a thing on. Well, it's confusing me because every time you say one, two, three, and then I'm like, but we're high fiving. All right, let's just do it on feeling. Let's just do it. That's better. Let's begin. A lot better. Let's go. We're terrible. Hey everybody, welcome to the Cooperatives Podcast with the real-life human couple Liz and Aaron, where we discuss the joys and sorrows, joys and sorrows, where we discuss the joys, <laughs> the joys the and jo- sorrows, the joys, <laughs> who is this version of Liz? I like this version of Liz. Oh no. French Liz? Oh no. Where we discuss the joys and the sorrows of cooperative gaming with a significant other. <laughs> that was a lot of... Hello. Like, inconsistent vowel usage. <laughs> oh, I never proclaim myself to be good at doing a French dialect or accent. I'm just saying, it's the cooperatives podcast. Ew. Liz, why don't you tell me what we're discussing today on this episode? So we are discussing Hanabi the Game. <laughs> Hanabi. I guess it's actually just called Hanabi. There was a movie called Hanabi that was developed by a Japanese filmmaker I really like. <laughs> that I will butcher his name if I say it, and I don't want to say it improperly over the air. But it's funny because when you say Hanabi the game, it's like Hanabi the book, Hanabi the video game. Right. Not Hanabi the This is the not fireworks. the game version of the movie that you like. No, that was a crime story. That would be right. very odd. So the actual reason that I said Hanabi the game mm-hmm. is because Hanabi is also just a noun. In Japanese, it means fireworks. Neato. Yeah. Um, who's listened to Katy Perry's firework more than anybody else? I how don't do you, really how do like we... Katy Perry in general. Well, then you're not going first. Probably me, then. Yeah, it's Mark. He loves Katy Perry. <laughs> he does love sure. Katy Perry. That's good. I sure. like Katy Perry. You, go. you just you conceded to Mark. Well, I am... Sorry, man. Mark, how, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you like Katy Perry? This is... You can't be the arbiter of this and then be like, well, I like her a 9. 7. I like yeah. her a 9. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this game, Hanabi was published by Asmodee Editions in 2010, and it was designed by Antoine Bauza. That guy has made other games. He has made other games, such as... I believe he made Seven Wonders. Which is interesting because Seven Wonders came out, or was designed in 2010, Mm -hmm. and 2010 is when Hanabi was published. Mm -hmm. So he was very busy around that time with probably other games as well. Yeah, I I should point out that this game was actually recommended to us by a friend of the show. His name's Finn Ko. He gave us a bunch of great co-op games. He recommended Hanabi, and he actually said that he likes a lot of Bowser's designs, but this is a good one for co-op that it's just like a natural co-op. So yeah. um, thanks to him for, for recommending this to us. Yeah. And so uh, Hanabi was published in 2010, mm-hmm. but it won a couple of different Game of the Year awards in 2013, including, and I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly, the famous 
Spiel des Jahres. Des Jahres. Spiel uh, des Jahres. Yeah, so which is German for mm -hmm. Game of the Year. Yeah. And for those of our listeners who are not huge gaming aficionados, they may not know that Germany is like the place for games. Um, the it's German, Essen, right? Essen is so. I don't. The actual name of that conference is something kind of long and different. But mm -hmm. Essen is the city that this gaming convention takes place in. So people just call it Essen. I just imagine some like German aggressive word that just sounds very. <laughs> it probably long. isn't. It's probably just like the German word for gaming, hanging out stuff. GameCon Essen. Yeah, right. There we go. Cool. So but, anyway, but that's a big award. Yeah, it's a really big award, and um, this game is super playable, so I can see why it won these awards. Um, and Essen, Essen is the biggest board game convention in the world. That's Which where the award comes is, from. Is that convention even bigger than Gen Con? It's the biggest gaming convention in the world. I know, but Gen Con's so big. How can yeah. you get something bigger than that? You make it in Germany. That's crazy. I don't know. But, but like Asmodee really has made a lot of games we... Well, they've published a lot of games we love. Right, and I think Asmodee Editions is maybe their European arm or something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, altogether, I mean, they have a huge, huge showing at Gen Con, which mm -hmm. that we go to, um, which is not the largest gaming convention in the world. It is. I'm sad to say, not the largest gaming convention in the world. It is for sure the largest gaming convention in Indiana. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, and probably anywhere in the U.S. That's like saying, like you know how you see Chinese buffets, like best Chinese in the state, like. No one gave you that title. You just made right. it up. Right. But but Essen, like, they actually earned that title. The Spiel of the Jaris. Yes. Yeah. We're going to butcher that so, name so much. Yeah, we're just going to stop now. How do you play Hanabi? So what you're trying to do in this game is you're trying to build fireworks. Mm -hmm. It's a card game that two to five people can play, and each of you is working together as a team of fireworks engineers, I guess, to put together fireworks for a fireworks show. And the way you're doing that is everybody has cards in their hand and you want to get the cards laid out in numerical order, but you can only like the, the cards go from one to five and you can only play a one. I mean, you can always play one. You can only play a two on top of a one, etc. Um, the twist here is that you don't actually know what cards you have in your hand. Whoa, wait a second. I can't see the cards that I have in my hand. You can't see the cards that you have in your hand. But I can see your deck. You can't. So everybody everybody holds their, you hold your cards the way you would hold a normal hand, just facing out. That's so weird. Yeah. It's a really, it takes a minute to get used to when you start. And so the way it works and where the cooperative kind of mechanic comes in is you can give information to the other people you're playing with to help them decide which of the cards they're holding, which they can't see that they should play. Mm -hmm. And if they play the wrong card, then you start a sizzling, what is that called? The fuse. Has we, been yeah, hit. you start the fuse on a firework. And if you play the wrong card too many times, then all the fireworks blow up in your face. Basically. So, so basically, y'all a bunch of fireworks people trying to light fireworks in the dark, mm -hmm. got to help each other out, make a show. Yeah. Well, I think you're trying to build fireworks. Build fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty simple setup. Mm -hmm. It only takes about five minutes to set the game up. It only takes about 20 minutes to play, really. I mean, you you usually are going to play multiple times in one sitting. So we played this with just the two of us more than a few times. And then we invited our friends Mark and Jess over to play a four-player version of this. And each time the game was at most 25 minutes. And I bet if we got really good, we could get this game done in 10 to 15. Right. 
Um, and yeah, it was fun. We had our friends Mark and Jess over and we got to kind of explain to them what a co-op is mm-hmm. and how this game works. So we had a good time with that. Let's hear what that sounds like. Um, now, why do you want to give information? What? Because we're a because team. we're all oh, we're all working together. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mark, because so, you're not trying to play against everybody. This yeah, is so what we call a co-op. Game. Yeah, so the, that's what the <laughs> the podcast is called, the cooperatives, because it we specialize. I never knew what a co-op. I didn't know games. what a co-op game is. Yeah, so, so we have a joint mission, which yeah. is that we are all working together to put to on this fireworks show. There, Somebody should have told me that from the beginning. So there's technically <laughs> two types of games. There's competitive. And there's cooperative. So competitive, it'd be head-to-head. Yep. But cooperative, we want to be friends. I don't think I've ever yeah. played a cooperative So we want to get us enough points so well, people like our, our fireworks to learn yeah. all about them. Sex is a cooperative game, right? So an important part about the mechanics when you're playing the game mm-hmm. is that, like we said earlier, you can give some information to the other people that you're playing with, but... It would be really easy if you could just be like, okay, you have a yellow two in your hand, so you should play that. Mm-hmm. That's not really a game. So instead, you can only tell people if they have a certain number or if they have a certain color. So, so if I had, let's say, two yellow fours, you would only be able to tell me if I had two yellow cards or two fours. Right. And you have to tell them, you have to tell all of the cards that they have. So mm-hmm. you point at the card. But you can't really give a lot of specific information. Um, it can be pretty frustrating at times to feel like you can't really communicate what you need to communicate. Mm-hmm. There's a pretty interesting time mechanic in the game where based on what you decide to do with your turn, you will either gain time or lose time. And that dynamically changes the course of the game and what the overall feel is and how tense a certain turn is. If you discard a card, you'll get time back. If you give info, you have to give time away. It, it really, really changes the pace of the game. Yeah, and so time is represented by these little tokens and you, like Aaron, like you said, you only have a limited number of them. So it does become an issue during the game too where if you feel like you want to keep giving information or all the people around you have given information and then you have a turn and you're forced to just discard a card because you don't want to play it because you don't want to screw everything up for everyone. So it it impacts the decisions that you make in a game more than I would have expected it to. Mm -hmm. One of the interesting things is when we played a two-player game, we had more cards in our hand So we were using up more time. With four players, you have less cards in your hand. So you may think that you're not going to use as much time. Well, there's twice as many people to give information to. So the game's really well balanced. Uh, At least in the games that we played between the two and the four player version, uh, it always felt adequately difficult. And I felt like as time went on, we we got better at it. Mm -hmm. And our scores definitely reflected that. Yeah, so... the thing, too, about you you mentioned that it's adequately difficult. We've talked to a bunch of people about this game, and it's, it's sometimes it's quite difficult because it's hard <laughs> to, you know, especially when there are more people, you're, you're trying to keep track of all the information you want to make sure that other people get, and you don't want to repeat what somebody has been told already. But then you also have to somehow memorize the cards you have in your hand, which all look the same on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's good that the mechanics are very simple. Um, I think some of our friends have found that they even alter them a little bit to make it easier. Like, that's the nice thing about a co-op game that you're just playing at home, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you can do whatever you want, really. If you need to make a rule that lets you, like, remember what you have more. I mean, I have never been able to keep track exactly what I'm holding on to the whole time. 
It's just too challenging. There's a writing tip that I got a long time ago that I actually was reminded of when I played this game. But the writing tip was never to have more than six or seven pieces of information available to somebody at one time because more than that, people will lose track. It's true. And mm-hmm. and they use Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Like, if you can name all of the Seven Dwarves and Snow White, like, that's very, very good. Right. But, like, you can't think of all the characters that are in Game of Thrones. Like, if you had to say, name me all the characters in Game of Thrones, there's, like, 50. It's I'm impossible. I'm sure someone out there could. There's probably some super right. fan. And I'd be surprised if even George R. R. Martin, like, knew all of them. He's but, like, whenever I forget, I just kill him. Yeah, whenever I forget. You know what? If I can't think of that character, they're probably dead. But uh, there'd be times during this game where you would give me a piece of information and I would be like, I think that's the card. But then I'd shuffle some stuff and be Mm -hmm. like, oh, God, oh, God, I can't remember what she said. And it's really easy to get caught up in thinking about what people have told one character versus uh, what we know about another person's hand. So there's you're not only keeping track of your hand, but you're trying to remember what other people know about their hands as well. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because. Even just giving information doesn't always really help that much. Like we said, <laughs> if it's a two-player game, you have to wait until the other person has already gone again to give them maybe the color and the number so mm-hmm. they actually know what they're holding. Um, we ran into this a few times. I think in all of the games that we played where one person would be like, you should have just known from the way I said it's green. <laughs> you should have known mind You should reading. just play it. Yeah, right. And it, like, it's pretty easy in the beginning of the game to say, you have a one. Well, you're obviously going to play the one. But later on, you could say, you have you have three ones. Well, then it gets a... a well, then it gets much more precarious because if you put out a duplicate card or if you put out a card that can't be played, that few starts lighting right. and the game is already like you're you're already on the chopping block. The yeah. countdown is started. You really can only play the wrong card twice, I think, mm-hmm. and then the third time you're out. So it's a, it's a precarious situation. So... I would say at this point in the game, like, yeah. you should just play, play it. it. Yeah. That's what I was going to do, guys. You guys. Woo! We're doing it. it. We built one. We're fire working. W-E-R-Q. Right. Get okay. It? It's like twerk, but it's fire work. Goodbye. <laughs> so let's talk about the look of this game because it's a, it's a super simple game. This is just a card game with a few little, little like, cardboard peg stuff that popped out. Yeah, basically. Um, And it's an interesting, very simple, kind of colorful, as you may expect, card game. Um, The the color options that you have, I think, are red, white, yellow, green, and blue. And then there's a bonus extra deck that is rainbow colored. And that's interesting because you can use that rainbow colored deck in some alternative playing methods there's that we a didn't, bunch of variants yeah we didn't do all of the different variants but um one of them is just that you can add it as mm-hmm. another color to use and you just say rainbow um but yeah so they're very colorful on the front and then on the back they're all this black and white sort of watercolory looking fireworks mm-hmm. show which that part is really cool but this game could theoretically just be played with a pack of 52 cards Theoretically, if you just wanted to say, we're going to take a card game, we're going to go all the way up from ace to king, you could, but the theming of Hanavia, I feel like, is so charming and nice, and like right. even the countdown being, the, the fuse being lit, it all yeah. fits together very nicely. Yeah, I mean, and I think if you played with a fa- pack of 52 cards, that would be Insane. Spider Solitaire, basically. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's what that is. Um, I mean, but with the added difficulty of like not actually knowing what you had. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it... 
it's a it's very simple i don't it's not my favorite like i think with the japanese theming it could be like they could get some really gorgeous artwork and instead they kind of went for pretty simple like colorful sort of comic sansy looking numbers <laughs> on there yeah so i you know i kind of debated this with myself too because the past two games we played we loved and i was kind of thinking when we were playing this this might be the first game where we're not entirely in love with it yeah well so i mean and the art is separate right like i'm not entirely in love with the art but it's nice and i guess that's sort of how i feel about the game in some ways like it it's been fun every time we played. Mm-hmm. It's not a game I want to sit down and play for an hour. It's not a game that I would say, hey, guys, come over. We have to play Hanabi. Right. But it's a great, oh, we have this game that takes 20 minutes. It's so easy to learn. Right. You can learn this game exactly. in two minutes. And it's, so and in that sense and in, in the sense of being a card game generally, it's there's less of a barrier to entry to like it's something you can play with family mm-hmm. members of all ages. Like That part makes it interesting. And I think it's good to have fun easy and slightly different games like this in your stable um for you know family gatherings and whatnot you know you said accessibility and i think that one of the best things about this game is i bought this game for seven dollars yeah this game was so cheap uh the msrp is 10.99 i got it on amazon for seven bucks right and i think Maybe that's part of where the game of the year thing came in because it is sort of deceptively simple Mm -hmm. it's pretty affordable for many people and yeah it costs less than a sandwich right in chicago yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it's it's a, it's an interesting game but it is not my favorite of the cooperative games that mm-hmm. we have played i will say this when we did have our friends over to play it and we played that four person variant the first time through we were learning rules we were kind of getting a flow for it but the second time through we you know had some beer had some whiskey and like it's a fun it's so simple that you can sit around you can talk you can have a conversation and i don't think you you couldn't do that with many other co-op games on this level yeah and i'm sure that's part of why we were sort of like yeah we feel fine about this game i i think you make a good point when it's just the two of us and we're just like oh let's just play a game tonight it's not that much fun and engaging for us when we're just hanging out even if we've like had a couple beers right we want to play something that we kind of need to chew on a little bit yeah for the group of four it was fun and i mean it goes up to five like i think then you you know you kind of do the thing where you like shoot the ship for a little bit in between turns and that kind of thing um the company was i think by far the best part yeah, yeah right so yeah it it the co- and the cooperative elements of it, which is always a big part of our analysis, are good. I mean, it's a purely cooperative game, like we said before. It reinforces communication really well. It does. Yeah, right. It's interesting because you have to have good communication skills, but also you're like so limited in what you're allowed to communicate. <laughs> yeah. I think it... it presents an interesting challenge in working together when you play with more than two people Mm -hmm. because i found when we were playing i would be like great we know that aaron has a (laughs) blue four and we want to get him to play it so i'm going to show him all the blue cards in his hand and then all this other person has to do is show him all the fours in his hand and then he'll know but maybe the other person isn't thinking about fours they're Mm -hmm. thinking like oh i want to make sure that Person number four knows she has this red three in her hand. Mm-hmm. So that that part was 
interesting and i think with a lot of co-op games like pandemic and stuff you can end up kind of taking turns as a group or you like talk through them a lot before anything gets done you can't really do that as much with this because if you actually talked about it then that would be the turn like you can't be like let's talk about how we need to tell aaron that he has a blue four right yeah and and like the folly is in assuming like Oh, I think that would, that should be the subtitle of this game. The folly is, is in assuming. assuming. <laughs> yeah. The folly is in assuming that other players want to give the same information that you do. Yeah. Because uh, several times, even in even in the second game that we played with Mark and Jess, we would say, Mark, you have blah, blah, blah. And then I would hear somebody else be like, oh, why are you giving him that piece of information? I was going to tell Liz something. And I'd be like, yeah. well, we can't tell each, we can't strategize. And right. part of it, I think, like, if you play as a group, like, if a group played this game for six hours straight, they would obviously develop a system of, like, I know how we play, and sure. we can always get that high score. Um, but as far as co-op mechanics go, I think it's good with communication, and it definitely forces you to be clear and concise with what you're saying. It um, does, yeah. One thing that I, that I want to address, uh, we did get a question in from a listener that I think pertains to this topic a little bit. Uh, we had Rob Yapel ask, are the intrinsic rewards of winning by following the rules enough to encourage transfer of information that is free from subtext? So I really like that phrasing, transfer of information that is free from subtext, because my response to Rob and to anyone that would ask me this question is, I think subtext is a required part of playing this game. I don't think that unless... You know, unless you, you're all working like machines and somebody always says, I'm going to do colors. And then the next person always does numbers for the same colors. So you know that you're just whittling them down. But that's not how it works with humans when they're communicating. So we always have this thing where we're like, okay, if I tell you at this time in the game that you have a green card, you should understand that what I'm asking you to do is play it. <laughs> what you just described is exactly how hacking works in the Fallout games. So in the Fallout games, they actually say, the password is six letters long. And then you select a six-letter phrase, and it will say, two letters correct. And then you'll select another phrase, and it'll say, maybe three letters correct. But I have a feeling if it was us doing it, we'd be like, these two letters here, and then you'd point to the cards, are correct. There's, there's always a little bit of like emphasis that comes when you're saying what a card is that I think is a little indicative of what somebody should do. There's a few times where we'd say, these two cards are yellow. Right. Or like, you point to one card and you say, this is blue. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of make eye contact for a little too long. Yeah! Oh, boy! We did it! We mind read! (laughs) Or I also heard one being emphasized in that. You have one One blue! blue. You have blue ones. Wait. Uh-oh. <laughs> it really all depends on like what the table thinks is too much. And we definitely had a few times where, where we reined it in. Yeah, right. But I, I think what you said is correct. It depends on what the table thinks is too much. And that means that you can be a little silly with it if you want to. Like I said earlier, it's just you're playing the game at home. You can be a little bit flexible with the rules if you need to to have fun. So. This game costs you $7. Just make right. it fun. Um, but yeah, so I, I liked Rob's question a lot, but I think that I don't equate the subtext part of it with cheating. Cause mm-hmm. I kind of just think that's part of 
what might have been intended by this game. It was if if you played it just like robots, it wouldn't be fun. Even though like we both said this wasn't our favorite, mm-hmm. we usually still do like a good and a bad yeah. about each game. So what what did you like what do you like about this game? I like how simple it is. This game is is the simplest co-op game I think I've come across in a long time. Yeah. I could like this is a game I could teach my parents and they're over 70 and they hate games. Like I could teach this to them and it, and they would love it. Um, I agree. And simplicity is, is on my list as well. Also on my list is the scoring system, which we <laughs> haven't really addressed, but um, because the it's like not really important. But yeah. the way that you score it is if you are working on five different fireworks, then you just count up the highest number you got to in each firework that you're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you got up to two and then a three, and then five, whatever. So so the max that you can get is 25 if you're working on five fireworks. But there's a little list in the rules. I'm it's gonna, adorable. It's very cute. So, so what you're doing, we said at the beginning, is you're putting together a fireworks show for a group of people. And the scoring, the points that you get, is what determines the overall impression that the audience has from your fireworks show. So if you get fewer than five points... The audience thinks it was horrible and you are booed by the crowd. And then it goes up through mediocre, honorable attempt, but quickly forgotten. That's the That hurts the most. It does. Excellent, crowd-pleasing, amazing. They will be talking about it for weeks. And if you get a perfect score, legendary, everyone left speechless, stars in their eyes. So would you rather be forgotten immediately or would you rather have people leave with stars in their eyes? You I'm need right. to do well at this game. Yes, exactly. So I think that's fun. I, I like that the score is almost kind of an afterthought. Mm-hmm. I like that the process is really the game. Um, I think that is nice for people who are not necessarily super into games. I think it makes it a little bit more of like a crowd pleaser. I would say this is a good game to play with people who aren't game people. Yeah, right. And it, and it's hard to feel unhappy at the end because... <laughs> You know, I guess if you actually did so horribly <laughs> that you like... If you get zero to five points, you should probably just talk about communicating with other people. But right. like, like, it's hard to fail. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, my only... My bad for the game was just that it's memorizing stuff. Like mm-hmm. the memory part is really challenging and that's not necessarily bad, I guess. It's just memorizing things is hard. Um, and kind of what we said that it's not the most engaging for two people, we think, but we also know, or I should say I think, <laughs> I think you agree with me, but I know we know people, couples that love to play this. Like, it's mm-hmm. a good way to just kind of... Veg out. Yeah, yeah. So so speaking of vegging out, we've done a lot of vegging out and playing this game. What did you learn about me while we vegged out and played Hanabi, the card game? Well, so... I think I learned I learned about both of us. Uh, <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, I learned about me that I am a methodical control freak when it comes to <laughs> games. Um, no, not not in a horrible way, but but like the system, the robotic system that I keep kind of joking about is what I want. Like I want <laughs> I want everyone to be like, okay, we all agree that we have to get the blue four on the table. So I'm going to talk about colors and the next person's going to talk about numbers and then it's going to be so easy. So yeah, and I learned about you that you are impetuous. <laughs> what does that mean? What does that word even mean? <laughs> you are laughing because you don't, you know that I'm I don't it. know. I'll read you You're going to look it up? I'll read you the Impetuous definition. sounds bad. 
Impetuous sounds like a roguish thing. That sounds like what you, you would... You want des- it to be roguish. It sounds like what you would describe a rogue as. Acting or done quickly and without thought or care Whoa. is what impetuous means. <laughs> you are not impetuous in all things. You are impetuous in Hanabi. Yeah, so, but like, like, here's the thing. I would agree with you on this game. I think in real life, I'm very much a planner. In real life, I want to have a plan for the day, the week, the month. Like today, I figured out what days I need to ask off for next year in August. And right. I, I put those in. Like I'm very much a planner. In this game, I feel like it moves just a beat too slow, specifically with the two-player game. So I always want to just make a play. Um, and I think the score doesn't matter so much to me at all. So I just like want to make a play and see what happens. Um, I... I very much like to instigate things in this game. Uh, what I learned about you is that you do not like that at all. <laughs> you are not a fan of that. Also, I learned Mark and Jess didn't like that either. Um, That's right. Because in that second game, I was like, I'm just going to play this card. I'm just going to do it. And everyone's and everyone like, please like, stop. No. no, please don't. Because that's, that, all you're saying is you're just going to not even follow the rules. No, that's You just not, don't even no, cur. No, it's just, it's just a little too slow. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get the, the frustration. I just think it's funny because you'll just, and I feel like you do it kind of to get a rise out of people too, but you'll bit. be like. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go with my heart. I'm just gonna pick a card and I'm just gonna throw it on the table. Isn't that a romantic gesture? Isn't isn't that like a very romantic thing to do? Is just follow to your like heart. Blow up a fireworks show in my well, face. We're not talking about blowing anything up in your face. We're talking about maybe a less fun fireworks show for the kids. That's romantic. I mean, but what if it's right? What if I pull the right card? That would be cool if that happened, but. I don't think it's romantic. Liz, is this a good co-op game? It is. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good co-op game. Um, like I have said a couple times, it's not my absolute favorite. I think I just prefer something that is a little bit chewier. This is, this is more of an entry-level co-op game. Yeah, I, I don't know that that's because it's co-op. I think it's just the mechanics are fairly simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I think the scoring system is cute. It's not terribly rewarding, but it also doesn't make me angry. So sure. that's nice. Um, I I think it was more... I had more fun playing with a group mm-hmm. than just with you. Maybe it was because you were impetuous. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, the short answer is yes. Yeah. So if you <laughs> would ask me if this was a good co-op game, I'd say it's a good, simple co-op game. And it's a, it, it's cheap. Portable, simple. It's a great entry-level co-op game. I would not recommend it for a game night, but it's a great side game. We have listener questions. Uh, One, does memory play too big of a role in this game? I think that my answer might be yes. I think that's kind of where my frustration is, Mm -hmm. is if there were other things to kind of do during the game, then I would be like, okay, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm actively engaged. Instead, I'm just like trying to trying and failing to like remember Mm -hmm. everything and i'm sure for some people that would be a huge barrier if you know we we talked about playing with families and all ages but probably it would get kind of harder for some people to Mm -hmm. keep all of those numbers and colors in their head with the location in their hand yeah and i i would say memory does play too big of a role um i think it'd be a great game for younger kids for like developing those sorts of systems but 
uh, it's maybe reliant on those a little too much. But right. that doesn't make it bad. Just that's maybe one drawback. And uh, Finn's second question, does the co-op actually bring you closer together? Which I don't think it does. It, well, it's, eh. is that like the co-op generally or the co-op of Hanabi? I, the co-op of Hanabi, I think. I but think... It does... Like, at no point during this game did I feel like I... Me working with you is bringing us closer together. I felt like we were working together, but there are certainly other games that I played with you that are co-op or multiplayer where I felt like, oh, I'm getting closer with Liz. I'm learning more about her. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I think because you're spending so much effort, one, trying to remember everything in this game, and two, being like, why didn't you understand what I was saying <laughs> when I pointed at this card? Like, it's it's hard to say this one would bring you closer together. It does... Physically, we had to break our table down a little bit and make it smaller because you have to be able to reach across and touch the other people's mm-hmm. hands, um, card hand. So in that sense, it brought us closer together. But I, I think compared to other co-ops, which generally I think have made me feel closer to you, <laughs> uh, this one did not. It brings you literally closer together, but unemotionally. Got it. Right. Well, Liz, that's about going to do it for Hanabi, but I think you need to bring us to the credits department. I am going to take it right on over to the credits department. This podcast is produced every other week for your enjoyment. Come back often and feel free to add the Cooperatives podcast to your favorite podcatcher. Reviews are very welcome and help the show succeed. You can also follow us on Twitter at at CooperativesPod and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CooperativesPod. If there's a particular game you think we should play and discuss, please don't hesitate to send us an email at cooperativespod at gmail.com or leave us a message on social media. All the links are going to be in the show notes. Big thanks to Finco for recommending this game. Uh, yeah, we'll put some Amazon links. We'll put links to Asmodee there so you can get at them rather quickly. But that means uh, that we've run out of time and we will see you next time on the cooperatives. Indeed, we my, shall. my name is Aaron. My name is Liz. We are not robots. We are not robots. We are not robots. Bye. They believe us. Bye. Time to shut down. <laughs> <laughs>